All right. Um, well, we finished this series last week about grace, and I just felt like I was supposed to do something real practical about uh, ministering to people and praying for people. So I'm just going to do one message um, about this, and then next week I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to just throw caution to the wind and talk about the end of the world, unless I talk myself, <laughs> unless I talk myself out of it, which, which I might do because it might be a bad idea. But uh, anyway... I wanted to just give you some advice about ministering to people. You know, there's lots of different types of ministry. There's prophetic ministry. There's um, healing ministry, inner healing ministry, deliverance ministry. There's prayer ministry. There's all different types of ministries. And people a lot of times are called to different areas of ministry, and you can focus and learn. And, And I think we can and should do all of it. But one type of ministry that all of us do I think, frequently or should be prepared to do is just when somebody tells you about a problem and you pray for them. How many of you have done something like that? And, you know, that's what real life is like, what real ministry is like. And I want to just give you some advice about how to handle that situation and and how to be prepared. I don't know everything about it, but I I have prayed with, with a lot of people. I did the math one time and it's probably close to a couple thousand people, maybe more than that. Um, and so I don't, that doesn't mean I know everything, but it does mean that I've, I've done it a lot. <laughs> and my job for a while, uh, for about six hours a day, was to just sit and pray for people. And then I was a pastor for three years in Colorado, and I've been a pastor for about three years out here. So um, I can just tell you some, some things I've seen that weren't very good and some things I've seen that that are good, and um, I want to be an effective prayer minister. How many of you want to be effective? And and I I don't. I want to. And moreover, I don't want people to have to go to an inner healing ministry after I've prayed for them, because I've sometimes had people come to me to do inner healing because the, the prayer minister they prayed with was so mean, and so that's not very good. So we want to. Uh, pray in a way that makes people love but is also effective. I think that before we can talk about how to do prayer ministry well, we want to establish what the goal of it is. If you don't know the goal of something, it's hard to accomplish it. The goal of prayer ministry, in my opinion, is for people to encounter God. If people come to you and come to me with a problem and they want prayer, they don't really want your opinion or to meet you. They want to meet the Father, right? At least, I mean, that's what they should want, and that's what I want because I don't know all the answers and I don't know how to fix everybody's problems, but I know the Father and I know He's a God of breakthrough and love, and I want to help people connect with Him. I think that Encountering God takes two forms in this context. One is that people feel His love. And the other is that they get answers. And answers do matter. Jesus said that you're supposed to pray in His name and that whatever you ask, it'll be done so that your joy might be full. That means you're supposed to get joy in life from answered prayer, not just the ritual of prayer. If you never expect to see any prayer answered, then you're going to fall into this 
sort of religious habit where you get pleased with yourself because you prayed a certain amount of time. And I, you know, I'm, I'm into praying, and, and I, you know, but, but I don't want it to just be an empty religious exercise. When I was a kid, I was talking to a minister, and he said, well, whether you pray or not, God's, God's controlling everything, and so it, it, it's going to turn out the way that God wants it to, whether you pray or not. And I was a kid, and I said, well, then why do we pray? And he said, well, because prayer is good for your soul. And prayer is good for your soul. But prayer also changes stuff. And I can tell you in my own life, I've seen stuff change when we pray. It's my opinion that if Don had not come down here and got prayer from, uh, I think it was Manny and Cheryl, you guys prayed for him, I think. And if, if they hadn't prayed for now they didn't, they didn't, you understand, they didn't earn anything. It's not like God was so impressed with their ability to pray that he was like, boom, a miracle. Okay? It's the grace of God. But we have to act on the grace of God. And if we don't pray, you know, not much is, it's, it's hard to complain to God that nothing's happening if you never pray. That's pretty simple, isn't it? So, in my opinion, answers do matter, and, and we want to pray and believe God for results. Now, the thing is, though, you don't always see the results immediately, and sometimes you're praying for stuff that you, don't, you can't tell if it's, if it's different, right? And, and we live in a fallen world, and there's problems, and it's, it's hard to know what's going on sometimes. And so, uh, B... Getting answers doesn't always happen immediately. Therefore, it's really important that A, or that people feel loved, always does. Does that, does that make sense? So, so I, I, may, I don't have like a mag, I can't pull a magic rabbit out of a hat every five seconds and, and make all your problems go away as a prayer minister. Now, I'm going to believe with you for breakthrough, and, and we get it a lot. So I'm really encouraged by that. But what I can control more is whether or not I'm treating you in a way that makes you feel loved. Does that make sense? So I want to I believe for answers, but I also want to make sure that I'm making people feel loved. And that's more important, actually, because I have more control over that. Okay, so if that's true, then how do you, how do you make people feel loved? Well, uh, I think people feel loved for a variety of reasons, but one of the best is just, it's just learning to listen to them. People feel loved when they're listened to, and they're understood. And often, people come to us, and I understand this pressure. I mean, I, it, there's pressure in ministry because, I mean, people would call me in crisis. I mean, people still call me in crisis. But I, yeah, but I mean, uh, uh, and, and if you're not careful, you can start to get a hero complex and think that you're God and you, you need to fix, magically fix every situation. Um, but the truth, and, and, and we were born for breakthrough, and so I'm born to believe God with you and, see, and bring breakthrough into your situation. So I'm into all that, but at the same time, I've got to realize that often people don't really even need my wisdom. Often, 
people know what to do. Do you know that? Often people know what to do. They're just scared to do it. And if you listen to them and validate who they are and encourage them in their faith, many times that's enough for them to step out and do what they already know how to do. Moreover, James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, what can you do? Ask the Lord. So, am I responsible for knowing all the answers? No, neither are you. You're not the Bible answer man or lady. What you can do is you can point people to Jesus and teach them how to hear God. You can pray with them, James 1.5. My pastor, <laughs> he got, Pastor Lawson, he, he told me years ago he got into this habit if, if people would ask him a question, he would say, look, just go pray in tongues for a half hour every day for the next week, and then if you still don't know the answer, come ask me. And most of the time, guess what? People wouldn't come. <laughs> now, that's not being mean. That's teaching people to hear God for themselves. And we want to have a, a ministry model. I, I, I'm happy. I love counseling people. I love praying with people. But the, the point of being a minister, and we're all ministers, the point of being a minister is to empower other people to minister. It's not to do all the ministry. Ephesians 4 says that, that you know, he gave apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It says, for the equipping of the saints, and the King James puts a comma, but it shouldn't be there. It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So it's not, it's not so that the pastors and prophets and whatever can do all the ministry. It's, it's well, you've got these leaders to teach you to do the ministry. Right? And that's the, the model in church that we want to have. We're not trying to just, you know, have a, have a super pastor or whatever and all that nonsense. Okay, I got it kind of lost track of what I was saying. Let's look at uh, John 14, verse 1, real quickly. My point is that what you want to do is, first of all, just listen to people. And you want to stave off the anxiety that you need to try to fix all their problems. John 14, 1 says this, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, Jesus said this during a really stressful time in the disciples' life. He was about to go die. He was their leader. They thought he was going to bring in a millennial kingdom and and, well, they didn't think in terms of that because John hadn't read Revelation yet. But they thought he was going to usher in a physical kingdom on the earth. And he's saying, no, I'm about to go die. And they didn't want to hear that. But he said, don't be stressed about it. That's what he said, right? Quit stressing about it so much. Well, I mean, that's a high standard. If you had Jesus hanging out with you physically for three and a half years and, and any time there was a problem, you know, you just ran to Jesus. You ran out of food, Jesus had fixed it. You start walking on the water and you start sinking, Jesus had fixed it. You try to cast a demon out of somebody, it doesn't work. Guess what? Jesus had fixed it. 
You wouldn't want him to leave either. And it's like, this is a major bummer. But he says, he says, don't let your heart be so stressed out about it. Believe in God, believe also in me. When Jesus gives you a command, it means that he's also releasing grace for you to do it. It means that you're a powerful person, and if Jesus ordered you to do it, you can do it. I need to say that to myself. If Jesus ordered me not to stress out about stuff, then I can do it. I do not have to be afraid and have my heart be troubled all the time. Now, what does this mean in the context of ministry? It means this. When you're listening to somebody share their problems, it's illegal for you to enter into a partnership with that problem by being stressed about it. Why? Because if I have an emotional response to your problem, I am empowering it. If I'm impressed by your problem, if I'm disgusted by it, you tell me about your sin and I'm like, oh God, that's a really bad one. I'm, 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 I'm entering into agreement with a lie that your sin is bigger than the blood of Jesus. If you start telling me about how you don't have any money and you're going to be poor and everything bad's going to happen and I start freaking out and thinking, oh my gosh, God isn't going to provide for you, then, then I've entered into agreement with the lie that God is not taking care of His kids. And as long as I'm agreeing with a lie over your life, I'm not in a very good place to minister to you. So this takes practice and you don't want to, don't beat yourself up about it because it's, it, it takes practice because what you want to do is you've got to learn to listen to the problem and recognize that's a real problem. You don't want to belittle it. You don't want to minimize the struggles that people are going through. How many of you understand that? People don't like hearing, well, you know, that's not a big deal. <laughs> uh, that doesn't bless people usually because usually they think their problem is a big deal. But what I've got to learn to do is say, okay, that is a real problem. I acknowledge that, but God is way bigger than that problem. So I've got to be aware of your problem, but I've got to be more aware of the presence of God on me and in me to bring deliverance and breakthrough into the situation. So you want to learn to have an attitude that it's, it's like, well, this isn't a big deal for Jesus. It's not that the problem isn't a real problem, but it's that Jesus is well able to deal with it. And, I, and you, you learn confidence in that just through practice. And you want to learn to have like a poker face. Now at this point, I don't have to have one anymore because there is nothing you can tell me that would shock me. Because all that, all that, the shocking got over with a long time ago. I've heard stuff you can't, you can't imagine if you tried. So, but for a while when I was hearing this stuff, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, on the inside, I'm like, boy, that is a big problem. <laughs> okay, but, but what matters is what, what matters a lot of times more is what you're saying. 
And so you can control yourself. You can let not your heart be troubled. And you sure don't, you sure don't want to say to somebody, boy, that's, I've never heard of that before. You know, it's like if you, if you go to the doctor, the one thing you don't want to hear is, well, I've never seen this. <laughs> I mean, at that, at that point, you're thinking, boy, this is not good. That doesn't build faith. The truth is, even if you haven't heard it, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And guess what? He's heard it. He's heard it, and he's not intimidated, and he's not stressed out. So let us see. Learning to walk the line of really engaging with people without being overwhelmed takes time and practice. And what you want to do is learn to be aware of God in quiet times and then maintain that awareness when you're listening to somebody else. Sometimes people hear what I'm saying here, and they think, well, what I'll do is I'll just develop an apathy shield. That's not what I'm saying. I've got to care about people. I've got to live with my heart open towards people. I'm just not allowed to allow their problems to overwhelm my heart. It's a high standard, but that's what Jesus did. And you can do it because he lives in you. Okay. Now, what happens when bad stuff happens to you and, and uh, you know, there's disappointment and all this is that sometimes, if you're not careful in ministry, you can get into jadedness. Jadedness masquerades as wisdom. Jadedness is, is the false belief that if I don't trust anybody, and I'm skeptical of everything, that that's wisdom. It's not. It's a lack of faith. One of the things I appreciate so much about my pastor, Pastor Lawson, is he's been doing ministry for 30-something years. And when you do ministry for a long period of time, people will hurt you. And people will backstab you and lie about you and will betray you and do a lot of stuff that if you're not careful... It will cause your heart to get into cynicism, skepticism, jadedness, and you won't trust anybody and you won't empower people anymore. And what's amazing to me about my pastor, I mean, he's told me the stories about terrible things that people have done and stuff, but he's just forgives, he's forgiven him and he's kept his heart clean. And you've got to understand what a big deal that is because if his heart wasn't clean of that, he wouldn't, like, trust me to... to you know, do the stuff that I've done and be here. Does that make sense? So I, I'm, not, I'm, not allowed, I'm not allowed to move into jadedness and, and call it wisdom. What do I do instead? I've got to do Ephesians 5.26, which says that you can wash yourself. You can wash through the washing of the water of the Word. What's that mean? It just means you get back in the presence of God and you hear God speak to you through His Word, and it does something. It cleanses your heart. It cleanses you of that, of that cynicism and skepticism. You can return to that faith like a child. Hallelujah. Like the song said. So, look, the Bible says we're supposed to be wise as, as serpents. So I'm not saying we just, we just trust everybody and empower everybody immediately. We don't, we don't do that. There's a balance. 
but we don't allow the wounds of the past to dictate how we see people in the present. Okay, now what do I actually do when I'm praying for somebody? That's a great question. Or what do I actually pray? Well, when I worked for Andrew, we had like these like prayer ministry topics, like a hundred of them. And so any problem you can imagine in the world, we had a list of scriptures. We had things you could say. I mean, it was, it was amazing. So uh, I'm not, I can't give you all that in, in a little bit of time, but I have given you like five uh, things here that just give you some wisdom, some scriptures you can pray. So if somebody's praying and they want financial provision, um, you know, command finances to come in. Uh, Ephesians 1.3 says we've already been blessed. One of the things you can do is, is if somebody needs financial provision, you want to pray for them to have a, a miracle in the short term, but you also want to pray that they'll get a revelation of how blessed they are in Christ. Because if they'll get that revelation, that'll, that'll change how they see themselves, and then, and then, you know, it's like teaching a man to fish, right? Instead of just catching the fish. What about healing? Well, command the sickness to go in the name of Jesus. So speak to the messed up parts and command them to be healed. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can ask the Holy Spirit to come and touch their physical bodies. The important thing to remember is it's not, it's not like some kind of magic formula where you just say the right words and then, and then God pops out. All right, It's more about what we believe in our hearts. You don't... You don't, you don't have to even say anything. I've seen people healed where I don't even say anything. I just hold their hand. So, but, you know, Josh isn't here, but Josh does a really good job. Um, he, when he prays for people, he, he really tries to wait and listen to God and, and hear what he feels God's saying in his heart, and then he prays that. And, you know, that, that works really good. All right, what do you do if you're praying for somebody's salvation? How many of you have unsaved relatives that you'd like to come to, to Jesus? Okay, so we want to pray for those people, right? Not because, not because it won't do anything, <laughs> but because it helps. I mean, I mean it, it helps. Uh, so what can you pray? You can pray. Jesus told us to pray that laborers would be sent into the field. So you can pray that God would send somebody to witness to that person. But if you pray that prayer, then be willing to go and be a witness too. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that the God of this world has blinded the hearts of them that believe not. There, there appears to be demonic resistance to people getting saved. But we've been given authority over the devil. So command that the demonic blindness would come off of people's hearts. I think that's a valid prayer, and I believe it works. And so you just keep praying that stuff. How long? Well, I mean, until you get the, until you get the victory. What about restored relationships? You know, you know a great prayer to pray. Well, I don't know what else to pray. I pray Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let heaven come down here. Because I know in heaven there's restored relationships. But you can also pray... Um, uh, that, you know, James 3.16 says that where envy and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. So there's like a spirit of strife sometimes. And you can pray against that. You can command it to stop. 
And then again, pray for laborers and, and pray for the person to have wisdom about what they should say. Sometimes restored relationship is just it's one good apology letter away from happening. If you'll be the bold person and do that. What if people are depressed or in emotional stress? Psalm 1611 says, In the presence of God there's fullness of joy, and at His right hand there's pleasure forevermore. So pray that they would encounter the, the presence of God, and that would, God would help them to keep their minds stayed on Him. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, because He trusts in you. Mm-hmm. So keep your mind focused on Jesus, and, and it will help you. All right, so those are just things you can do. I wanted to give you just some, uh, an, another practical advice about praying for strangers as an as a outreach. Um, so I love it. People have been telling me all these testimonies. They've been praying for people. I love that stuff. Praying for people in public is a great way to do evangelism. And it doesn't have to be a weird thing, and it doesn't have to be like high pressure. It's not a sales pitch. All right? But if you're out in public and you see somebody with a problem or you feel drawn to somebody, a great way to, to witness to them is just, you know, start a conversation and just ask them how they're doing. That's pretty simple, right? And then, and then care. Genuinely. Not, not trying to get a notch on my belt, not trying to impress my friends about how I did whatever. Ask them how they're doing. Be concerned about it and listen. And, li- and if you do that, if you pray for them and nothing happens, at least you made them feel loved. One time I was at, um, I was at the mall and I was praying for this girl. She, I thought she had a back problem and she did. And so I prayed for her. She, we went over somewhere and I prayed for her. And, and I was like, are you better? And, and, and I, no, I said, how do you feel? Are you, are you better? And and I was like, is your back better? And she's like, well, no. <laughs> she said, but I feel, I feel great that you prayed for me. And so, you know, I mean, I want the breakthrough, but, but the deal was is she felt loved that I took the time to care about her and pray for her. You understand that? And so if you do the encounter well... Regardless of the, of the result, the, the whole point is I want you to feel loved. I want you to experience the love of God through me. And the thing you've got to realize is that, I forget the, the research, but it, it's something like people have to have a positive encounter with the name Jesus like five to seven times before they're, on average before they're willing to give their life to him. So you don't know what time you're on. So you don't, want to, you don't want to let that discourage you. I mean, believe for them to give, give their life to Jesus. But, but the reality is a lot, of, a lot of witnessing and stuff and ministry, it's just sowing seed. And then you just believe that God is a, is a big God and that he's watering that seed. Because he is. In the Old Testament times, they didn't, they didn't sow like we sow today. When, when farmers sow today, they'll plow first and then they'll put the seed in the hole. Then they'll cover it up. What they used to do back in the day is they'd just take the seed and they'd just throw it everywhere, just indiscriminately. That's what, what's what Mark 4 says, right? The guy's sowing and some falls over here and some falls over there, and, and that's just how they did it. So they're just throwing the seed out there, and then they came later with the plow, and wherever the seed was, they just plowed it, 
right there. The seed attracts the plow. The plow is the Holy Spirit. If you'll, if you'll sow seed, <laughs> if you'll sow the love of God, if you'll sow truth, it will mark them. It will attract the Holy Spirit to them to give them more encounters with God where they're drawn into His kingdom. So you don't always have to be the plow. You can be the person sowing the seed. But in the end, Paul said, I planted and Apollos watered and God gave the increase. But it's not about he who watered or he planted. It's about he that gave the increase. So just, just minister to people. Um, so you're not trying to get brownie points. You're trying to talk to them because they care. So if, if you see somebody and you want to pray for them and they've got some kind of visible ailment, you know, like one time I was at Walmart and there were, there were this couple of people over there. One had an arm brace on and one had a knee brace. And, and so, you know, one of the best things you can do is make a lame joke. And so, so I, got, I, I went over there and I said, is this like the injured reserve section or what? You know, which is a dumb thing to say, but they, ha, 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 you know. And, and so it strikes up a conversation. And they're like, yeah, it is kind of the injured reserve situation. And so then I'm talking to them, and, and, and I'm like, well, what happened? And I care, and I'm interested, and I want to know what happened. And so they both tell me, the one guy left, but I got to pray for the guy. Okay? And you just, you just say, but everybody say this with me. Hey, could I pray with you about that? How many of you can say that? Okay, now what if they say no? No big deal. The world doesn't end. It doesn't. You just say, okay, have a great day. I'll see you later. And you know what? You just go about your business. And life goes on. It's not a big deal. But a lot of times people say yes more than you'd realize. Because what's the worst that could happen? Nothing. I'll tell people that. I'll be like, well, look, you ought to let me pray for you because the worst that can happen is nothing. But, but something could happen. Then you'd be a lot happier. <laughs> okay? So then, then if, you know, in church, most of, if you're in a church like this, a lot of times people are used to stuff, and so I don't always say I'm going to lay hands on you, but... But if you're in a public setting, you know, it's good to say to somebody, look, I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder. Is that all right? Or, you know, do me a favor. Let me, can we hold hands for just a second? And again, if they say no, no big deal. You don't have to touch somebody to pray for them. But I like to. And so if they'll let me, I'll put my hand on their shoulder. And a lot of times people will be like, okay. And they might get a little weirded out. But you know what? Love's aggressive, and love, Jesus loves people, and so just, just go after them. Then pray for them. And if it's a healing prayer, then ask them how they're doing. And pray again if necessary, and they're okay with it. So I don't, you know, in church, I'll pray a bunch of times because most of the time you're willing to let me do it. But if they start getting weirded out, just, just let it go. And believe that God's touching them later. Now, if you're praying for something else, it's not healing or whatever, you're praying for their their relative or, you know, people have all kinds of problems. And you, one of the things you want to do is not assume you know what people want prayer for. Yeah. That's a really big deal. Randy Clark tells this story about some of his prayer ministers that he took down to the, uh, 
to Brazil with him, and he, uh, he said that the pastor of this church got on to him because there were a whole bunch of deaf people in this church, and they, came, they, they kept coming down, and the prayer ministers just kept praying for their ears. And, and they said, look, you, don't, you guys don't care about us. You're just trying to get, you just want to see God heal somebody's ears. A lot of these people want, they want to pray for their relative that's lost, or they want something. And, and Randy was like, I'm sorry. And so he went and, you know, corrected that thing. So, so you, you, you want to have humility and listen to what people really want and honor that. Does that make sense? So, all right. If an encounter is going well, or sometimes even if it isn't, <laughs> you can say, have you ever asked Jesus into your life? Or, hey, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And that a lot of times can open up the door for you to, to share the gospel. And you, you want to just keep it simple, you know? You want to just, I love what Reinhard Bonnke says. They taught me this when I was a kid. The ABCs of salvation. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe Jesus died on the cross. C, confess Him as Lord. Hallelujah. You're saved. So how do you explain that to someone? Hey, we've all screwed up. You've screwed up, right? I've screwed up. We all have problems. But Jesus died for us. And He died and He forgave all of our sin. And God's not mad at you. And He forgives you and Jesus died not just so you can go to heaven or, or have some kind of weird rule relationship where you, you have to follow these rules. He died so you could be in relationship with the Father. Yeah. And you could know Him and be loved by Him. Would you like to have that relationship? If they say not right now, then don't worry about it. But if they say yes, praise God. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Could you hand me that card? Thank you. All right. So that's pretty practical, but I just wanted to share some of that. I hope that helps a little bit. Um, you know, the main thing, as always, is if you can be at peace with yourself and just calm down on the inside, uh, you'll be a more effective minister. But it takes practice. The first time I ever prayed for somebody in public, you know, you can ask, you can ask God, God, I'd like to pray for a stranger. If you pray that, he'll set you up with a situation. I promise. So I prayed that, and I meant Molly was like trying, this is years ago, Molly was trying on some clothes in a, you know, in the clothes place, and this lady comes, sits right beside me with a knee brace on and starts complaining to me about her knee. And I'm like, oh, God. I, I shouldn't have prayed that prayer, no. But I thought, no, this is my opportunity. I said, well, can I pray for you? And I prayed for you. You know, she didn't get any better than I was aware of that time, but God was proud of me for trying. Yeah. A lot of times you've got to practice this stuff a little bit just before you, so you get comfortable. Okay? So anyway, I thought since we talked about this, that I'd end by just praying for healing for a little bit. So I wrote down a bunch of... Um, can you come play, Casey? I wrote down a bunch of uh, words of knowledge if you've never seen this done, uh, what I do is I just pray before the service and I ask God to tell me some problems, physical problems that people have in here, and then I write them down. I usually try to take quite a bit of risk so that you can see me miss one or two, so I might not get them all right. Usually I get most of them right. But if you have this problem, when I call it out, just stand up real quick, and the worst thing that could happen is nothing, but the best thing is that you could walk out with 
without a problem that you came in with. So if you have one of these problems, and I, I believe a lot of people are going to be healed, uh, I just want you to stand up and do it, do it quickly so I can move on to the, to the next one. Um, does that make sense? So you just stand up, and then we're going to pray for everybody together all at once.